first things first, I'm assail the words inside my head. I'm fired up and tired of the way that things have been. Ooh, ooh, the way that things have been. Ooh, ooh, second things second, don't you tell me what you think that I can be. I'm the one at the sail. I'm the master of my sea. Ooh, ooh, the master of my sea. Ooh, ooh, that's Imagine Dragons, Believer. And I'm Brian Christofferson, and this is the Husker 24-7 podcast. Mike Schaefer and Michael Brunts are also here, listening in. I'm transfixed right now. Mouths agape at what we just... Wow. That uh, might be the single best opening to the podcast ever. Granted, considering every other opening is me just saying the name of our podcast and introducing you guys (laughs) and making awkward small talk, it wasn't a tough bar to clear. But now that it's been set, I don't see any other way that it changes. Well, Imagine Dragons became uh, a big discussion point Sunday during the Masters when Nick Faldo (laughs) started quoting (laughs) some Imagine Dragons lyrics on the 18th hole and noted that Patrick Reed likes to listen to the Dragons to get fired up to play around a golf. Is that what the fans call them, the Dragons? (laughs) I'm not like that much of a diehard. I just went on Twitter and because it felt like immediately there was this rush to be like, oh man, Imagine Dragons sucks and all this and stuff. I'm not going to be in that crowd. I like a few Dragon songs. I mean, as a guy who will basically stand up and say that Nickelback isn't that bad, I'm certainly in line with the Imagine Dragons isn't that bad. That's that's a hill you are very willing to die on. Yeah, because it's just like everyone, as Brian sort of said, just decides that they're terrible and there's far worse musical acts out there. Not that Nickelback is good by any means, but they're certainly not the worst thing that ever existed, nor is Imagine Dragons. So there's obviously a lot of popular hatred for Nickelback and evidently Imagine Dragons, which I didn't didn't catch when that switch happened, by the way. Mm -hmm. But... It was voted on, I think, last Tuesday. I don't know if you didn't get the invite. I I, I didn't make the meeting. Uh, I I voted against it. So who is your version of Nickelback then? Like, who do you just hate? That's a good question. Um, I don't know if I, like, really... Like, I can probably name more country acts that I just absolutely think are terrible. Like Florida Georgia Line, would that be one? I actually don't hate them that much. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Uh, John Party, if you're familiar. Yeah, see, you know, this Give me somebody work. I'd know. Jason Aldean, I think it's garbage. Okay. Anybody um, in non-country? Let me go to go to BC. I'll, I'll keep thinking. This is, I'll, I'll try to get on your this level. This is really dangerous territory. I don't hate him. I want to be clear. Like, I like some of his songs. I just think there's this concerted effort in the sports writing community to, oh. o- to overbuild Bruce Springsteen. Whoa. <laughs> We're doing this. <laughs> I'll go there. We're really doing like, this. I, th- wow. I think he's fine. I think he's got... like Nobody at this I, table is like a big Bruce guy. I would... I, would in, right? I, like, I like Bruce. Like if I someone would, said, hey... Oh, Bruns, Bruns just bristled at the, <laughs> the notion that he's not a big enough he, Bruce guy. He didn't want to go in on that one. No, that's fine. <laughs> I, 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 I have no problem with Bruce. I, I enjoy Bruce. I don't like... I'm not dying on that. I'm not stepping in front of a bullet for Bruce. I, think. I take yeah. Bob Seger over Bruce Springsteen every day of the week. Mm. And twice on Sundays. I want to be clear. If someone said, hey, I got tickets to go see Springsteen. You want to go? And even would you pay 75 bucks and go with me? I'd probably be like, yeah, I'd see Springsteen for 75 bucks. So it's not like 
I dislike him. I just think he's kind of been built up into yeah. this this god. And his Christmas song that it played, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, is the worst freaking Christmas song <laughs> that is on the radio. It's it's out of tune. It's poorly done. It's not good. I know Clarence is in it as man. It's it's not a good song. I so there's the two bands that have essentially been built up. Well, I mean, if you count Bruce as a band, I mean the E Street Band, I guess, but. Bruce Springsteen and then Pearl Jam. I would put Pearl Jam significantly higher than uh, on the pantheon of good music than than Springsteen. Yeah, I mean, you like Pearl Jam though, right? A lot, yeah, I yeah. do too. Well, uh, so so what you're saying that Pearl Jam is hated by? No, I just I think that there's if you talk sports writers, there's a very there's two two kind of like I'm on the Pearl Jam train. Yeah, but I mean, like, I think for like the 40 and older crowd, maybe like 35 and older. So I guess plus notable Omaha sports writers. Yes, that really love Springsteen. Like, will defend him. Like, dig in the heels, get in the foxhole, and defend Springsteen. <laughs> I, I think that there's generally a younger crowd, probably about the same age, actually mid 30s, early 40s. That that. Uh, We'll, we'll go to bat for Pearl Jam. I would say I'm more in the Pearl Jam camp than I am in the Springsteen camp. Yeah, I'm I'm on Team Pearl Jam of those two for sure. So, I'm on Team Pearl Jam over Nirvana, which is a very unpopular opinion to have. That, that would have been an unpopular opinion in like the early '90s. Yeah, I know it, it's not a particularly great opinion. So you, you never got back to a popular artist, non-country, who you. I don't get one. into no, that's, like that's I don't good, get that's a good take. By the I way. don't get Bruno Mars. I don't understand like what people love there because um, he's a you don't like him because he's a low rent prince. <laughs> Your words, but I <laughs> I don't hate it. Okay, um, I mean it's kind of a lot of people in that type of music, I guess. But it's uh, I said that in the baseball press box like last year. I, yeah. I think I just did. Everyone him. just get mad. I think I like I described him as a dime store prince, and there was like a record scratch, and everybody like turned around and looked at me. But I think I could go in with another super hot take, but it's almost too hot for this. About you can't tease it and not go with it. Well, it's about Prince. I would I would also say Prince. I feel like Prince. I like think Prince was an incredible musician, one of the best guitarists there ever was. I think if people were honest with themselves, they wouldn't really listen to much of his catalog. Like I don't think his catalog, like. Tell me how long you could listen to Prince and be like, man, I'm digging this. I just don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. And I'm a Minnesota guy. Like I, you know, I I'm, I go up and every time I pass the building, the music hall where Purple Rain was filmed and all that, I've just never been a big Prince guy. So no Prince, no Springsteen. It's not that I just despise them. I just think they're overrated, I guess. Wow. Partly because they're rated so high. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if they're rated just like, oh, they're pretty good, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'll go with that. So is there anybody that you feel like is undervalued in that same vein? Hmm. That's a tough one. Because you said you own Imagine, and, and you own an Imagine Dragons CD, CD yeah. right? I own a lot of CDs. <laughs> <laughs> I've been distraught that you can no longer buy CDs, actually. If we, if, we go, if we go out in your car right now, is there a CD case anywhere underneath your, one of your oh, seats? Yeah, there's a CD case with like 200 CDs in it. Nice. Yeah, wow. that's how I travel. What's the most obscure CD you've probably got out there? Like Pomeroy? You have any 311 in there? I think... You're an Omaha guy. Yeah, I have 311. Yeah, of course I do. Um, 
Uh, there'd be some surprises in there. You'd see like some jazz. Uh, you'd see some. Uh, there's a lot. Of, there's Sinatra. There, it's all over the map. There, there's a, there's a lot of rap, like a lot of '90s rap that I wouldn't probably listen to now very often. Like the other day, I put in an Eminem CD. I had one of his first CDs, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like how, the the lyrics. I can usually take about anything, but I was like, "Man, this is a little too much for me at this age." <laughs> Turn it down and make sure that yeah. the the windows were rolled. Yeah, up. And this I, is where I, I wish... actually said, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> <laughs> this is where I wish we had the the webcast thing that I always joke about because BC saying that while in his current garb is never gonna get better. <laughs> Like a man in a sweater vest holding a coffee cup saying, oh my gosh, the lyrics to, to this Marshall Mathers CD is a little too much. The, uh, that's a good transition to the fact that Brian is in fact wearing a sweater vest. As a Which I've now his, noticed. As a man of his word, uh, Schaefer came in and basically, you weren't no-selling that. You weren't Tariqoing that. You legitimately I didn't legitimately notice. thought that it was a two-tone t-shirt. Yeah, I didn't really. <laughs> I'm wearing a long white. How would you describe describe my outfit? You're wearing a well. With you've got shorts. A, I've got shorts on. There's a lot of layers here. <laughs> you've got shorts on. You're wearing a white. Uh, I think that's called a Henley. Like a long yeah, sleeve shirt. Like a thermal. Thermal. Yeah. Thermal. With a gray T-shirt over the thermal. With a black, black sweater vest over both of those things. Slight <laughs> V-neck. Not over the top V-neck, but you slight. Make, you make me. You're making me feel a little warm just looking at you. Yeah, like it's, it's like nice out. Too. I told you your next door neighbor is an older gentleman. I think he looked on kind of, you know, look. He was jealous. Yeah. This. <laughs> he stopped. Stopped. Like, stopped raking. He's kind like, of stood there and admired it for he's a like, second. Young men. Young men don't dress like that anymore. Would Props he, to you. Would he feel similar to Eminem's album that you listened to? He's like, a, oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Should we get into some football? We're 10 minutes in here. We can. I mean, yeah. we don't have to, but... By the way, Patrick, real quick about Patrick Reed, Imagine Dragons fan. Is there a guy who... <laughs> Not even Masters champion, Imagine Dragons. Is there a guy you... I mean, I knew who Patrick Reed is from the Ryder Cup and knew he's a good golfer, but I didn't really know his story very well, and now I like want to see an entire Netflix series on him. Like, it, it's, He doesn't talk to his family, and he, I don't know. I'm just fascinated by Were, him. were you rooting against him? Like there, no. he, there was like a total heel turn. I feel like uh, I was rooting against him when I thought Rory had a chance to be the winner because I bet on Rory. When it wasn't going to be Rory, then I didn't care. I just wanted, I wanted drama down the stretch. We got a little of it when Spieth tied it up, and a little bit more when Fowler at least made it so he had to make par on seventeen and and eighteen, and that putt on seventeen remains one of the luckiest things that someone probably I mean obviously great read because you nail the center of the hole but so much speed on that putt I mean you're probably looking at mm-hmm. an easy bogey there um it is uh it, I I was okay with him winning it didn't bother me but you're right I mean I don't know if it was Imagine Dragons I don't know if it was that it was kind of a boring <laughs> Sunday at Augusta aside from Spieth People really didn't want Patrick Reed to win. Yeah, it was, and it was interesting reading all the stories afterwards because it was like, this this is the guy that you were probably pulling for and appreciated the smack talk during the Ryder Cup. Yeah, and now he's like NWO Hulk Hogan over here. Don't you think people make too much of like? I don't understand the public being in on someone's family drama. Like, 
that that's the crux of the the Patrick Reed thing. The rest of it is stuff that happened when he was like eighteen to twenty years old that allegedly happened. We don't know if it did or didn't. And now it's oh, he doesn't talk to his dad enough, and his sister is out of his life. And it's a weird way to frame somebody as like a villain uh, based on how their family interaction is. I find it super awkward to read those stories. BC wants a Netflix series, but it, but it's the Masters, like. It's inherently like golf is like tied to the hugs at the end, the hugs at the end, <laughs> your relationship with your dad. I mean, the final round of the U S open is like on father's day every year. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, if, if you go back, I'm sure there's probably any number of articles written over the last week about guys going to the masters with their dad. Like I get, what I, I don't, I don't know why yeah. that is with golf, but I, mean, I get what Schaefer's saying, though. Yeah. I mean, the, the older you get, the more I learn, like, life's complicated. Don't get into yeah. other people's business well, as much. But From a journalism you know. perspective, like, you're totally just writing a gossip story on he, he said, he said kind of stuff. Yeah. That, I mean, you question the actual value of it. It's really not that much. I mean, you go through a bunch of those golfers. I bet their family relationships aren't great whether it's a dynamic with their wives or whether it's beyond. I mean, Tiger Woods is the most celebrated golfer in recent U.S. history. I'm sure his family dynamic was phenomenal for a while, whether it was talking about his dad or with his first wife or everything else. But he wasn't villainized the same way that Patrick Reed was. So it's just a it was really weird to, to read all these stories that came out, whether it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, and – I don't know. It's just not the kind of thing that I get really fired up about. What do you get fired up about, Mike? <laughs> Certainly in spring football. Yeah. You can hear it in my voice. Yes. You guys ready to talk some quarterbacks? Yes. Yes. All right. Let me start with this. We're 14 minutes in on the quarterback talk, by the way. So oh, we're, going, we're, we're 14 minutes before we got to the quarterbacks? Yeah. I like that we have a running timer now. We do. You, you should tell people on the little thing that describes <laughs> when I have my Springsteen take so that they don't just, like, dislike me. If, like, you're a big Springsteen fan, just, like, don't yeah. listen to that part. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tweet that. I can do that. <laughs> All right. So to, to start off the quarterback discussion, I think the first thing that has to happen is I have to admit that I was wrong. Uh, it looks very unlikely that Patrick O'Brien will be Nebraska's starter in the fall. I went pretty heavy on that prediction this spring. And uh, I'm going to be wrong on that. So, Well, you don't know that for sure. I feel pretty confident. <laughs> more confident than I probably felt when I said that he yeah. could end up being the starter. And it doesn't look great for Patrick O'Brien. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons it doesn't look great is all of the quarterbacks, aside from him, spoke yesterday. We don't know. He might have had a prior engagement. We don't know fully what the situation is, but it's not... It's one of those things where you read the tea leaves or the writing on the wall or whatever sort of cliched phrase you want. It doesn't look great at the moment. So we'll start off the quarterback discussion with that. Uh, It doesn't. I mean, in part because it was combined with the fact that that day Scott Frost told us there is some separation or basically they've they've separated their reps a bit with guys, you know, first tier and second tier. Um, And... And so I think a lot of people are connecting the dots there, and probably accurately so, I would say. But, uh, you know, Frost Frost still wasn't tipping his hand completely and even complimented Patrick, you know, during his answer. Um, so you never know. With There's twists and turns within the, the spring. But uh, the 
you know, one of the one of the big stories is really <laughs> it's actually Andrew Bunch in a way, and it's not. I, I'm not building this up to like Andrew Bunch is going to be the starter or anything like that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he really is in the the hunt for it, but I do think Andrew Bunch becomes a key player in the way that if he's a guy where they actually think, yeah, he can do some stuff and he can be a second or third guy that you feel okay about at least, that at least gives the coaches some reassurance as they head into what was kind of a sticky situation if somebody does transfer, which is always a difficult topic to talk about, but it's just out there. You just know it can happen. And you wondered if that happened, what would Nebraska's QB depth be like? And if you have a guy like Bunch who – they actually feel conduce the offense okay and all that you you feel a little bit more at ease when you put your head down at night if you're one of the coaches i think in april and may yeah it, it would be a tremendous depth solution uh if he really is a guy that can play in this offense and some onlookers on saturday really felt that was the case he was really accurate with his passes they didn't go down the field a whole bunch ha huh. but uh they um it was unintentional. Oof. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have drawn that up for myself. But they they move the ball. He's able to run that offense. He's able. He apparently looks pretty good throwing on the run, moving on the run, uh, turning up field, processing. So he's I, a good runner. I, I am. I am very dubious that he is going to be Nebraska's starter. And there's people that are going in on this pretty early, but yeah. I don't. I don't think that's going to be the case. However, I've already been wrong once before, so maybe you guys should take over. So with that in mind, is Nebraska's starting quarterback in 2018 on the roster right now? I think so, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, th- I still think I think they've got r- good options. I mean, I haven't seen the practices, and I know they're kind of their heads underwater a bit at this point with all the offense that's been installed. But it's like Frost said the other day, and I think he really believes this, with quarterbacks, it's kind of a struggle, and then when it clicks, it clicks. You know, it, it, Then all of a sudden, they're, they're at a different level. And I think when you listen to both Jabia and Adrian Martinez, you know, those are two guys who you know are going to put everything into figuring it out. Like you've got two just workhorses there who – they're going to make quarterbacking their life while they're here and um, are really impressive figures to talk to. That doesn't necessarily translate to the field, but I think he's on the roster. So I was around Bunch and Jebbia. Um, I think both of you guys were on Martinez and Vedral at various points. Um, the first question, did Martinez win the press conference? <laughs> Second question, what stood out to you guys about those two? Go um, First part. Uh, yes, he won the press conference. Thank you. <laughs> Schaefer? <laughs> well, I don't know. I thought Noah Vedral was pretty good, too. Vedral won it. Oh, one had to win it over the other? No. Okay. They just won it. Yeah, they both won it. They're both pretty good speakers. I mean, I'll, I'll talk on to, to, to Vedral more because I was over there for the duration of that, more so than Martinez, but... If Noah Vedra was eligible to play right away, I mean, it would be pretty unlikely any of these people would be unseating him. And so while the depth is scary for this upcoming year, when he is eligible to play, they're going to be in a really good situation because that guy is just the epitome of what I think Scott Frost wants out of that quarterback spot because he's 
ultra competitive, but he's also pretty savvy. He's pretty smart. He knows that offense inside and out. He's been working a lot with Adrian Martinez, was the, the quarterback he talked the most about of, of the other guys. And, and Martinez even mentioned Vedral, too, that yep. he's relied on him. And so, you know, and then he also talked about the, the pitfalls that these guys are going to go through as they're trying to learn that offense and get up to speed with everything. And he's just a bright individual, and I was, I was very impressed. And he's also physically bigger than the last time I saw him. Mm-hmm. And I know when I saw him at the Friday Night Lights camp in 2016, no, yeah, 2016, I was impressed by his arm, and I was impressed by his competitiveness, but I thought he was a little small. And he certainly has filled out well. I mean, yeah. the strength and conditioning uh, for, for UCF and uh, now Nebraska, obviously no secret that Zach Duvall has gotten some good results from that. And I think Noah Vedral is one of those. And so when people that have seen practice tell me how good he has looked when he's gotten reps, uh, it, it makes me kind of curious what things could be like. You know, this could be a real short-term audition for whoever the starter is this year because if they don't do that well – or if there's a lot of question marks at the end of the year, you got Noah Vedral waiting in 2019 and ready to go. Yeah, the, t- the tough spot for Vedral and the nothing you can do about it is if somebody who has a job this year starts to trend north with his play like the last six games of the season or, you know, even mm-hmm. if it's kind of rough early on, but then in November it looks like it's it's working – that's where it's going to become difficult because you guys know how hard it is to unseat somebody from the chair at that position once they're the guy and kind of locked in and teammates think they're the guy. And so that's where Vedral's in a bit of a difficult spot. But the physical part's what stood out to me because I always thought he was like, you're right, when you saw him a couple years ago. and He grew at least two inches. Yeah. It makes sense, but, I mean, he just looked like, yeah, he, he's a good-looking prospect, but I don't know if he's a Nebraska prospect. That's what I honestly thought. And now when you would just look at him physically, if you didn't know anything else about him, you'd say, yeah, I could see him being the quarterback at a big-time school. I mean, he has that look about him. Mario Verduzco was talking about him back in February um, around signing day, and he'd, he'd said that you know one reason that they really liked him was they knew he was going to grow. Mm-hmm. And, and he kind of acknowledged the fact that you know, you know at the time, at least when they were recruiting him and, you know, his junior year, when you guys are talking about that, uh, he probably wouldn't have, you know, really stood out, stood out a ton. But I mean, you, like you said, you know, you you grow two inches. I think he throws a good ball. I remember, you know, seven on seven and, and, you know, at Nebraska's Friday night lights camp, I thought, you know, he he looked like he threw a pretty good ball and especially some power on that. The, the kind of deep, deep throws. I thought he had good accuracy on too. Um, you know, he's definitely going to be an interesting uh, entry into the quarterback position, assuming, you know, if somebody doesn't, you know, really rise up and, and steal that job. And even if they do, I mean, he's comfortable in his situation enough that if he has to be the backup at Nebraska, he feels that he's probably going to get some opportunities there in that role. And this is his dream. This is what he's always wanted to do. He's a legacy. His multiple family members have played at Nebraska. And he, he really, I mean, was – very, very happy yesterday. I mean, you could see it in his face. He's very at peace with everything. He said the toughest part for him is to just be patient because he knows that he can't play, but he also knows that he has a role to serve with helping this team be as good as it can be in the year that he has to sit out. Yep. He's, he was impressive. Adrian Martinez, um, you know, what, what stands out about him is 
when he gets into the details of talking about the position, he has really good answers if you listen closely. Like he was being asked about being an efficient runner, and he gave a savvy answer where he's talking about yeah, there's a lot of great runners or guys who look like they're great runners who they can scramble all over the place and it's kind of fun to watch but if you get two yards what did you really do it's it's more about like knowing when to tuck and get north and south and if getting six or seven yards you know and actually having it mean something and so just like little answers like that kind of stick out to you like this guy really understands all the the parts of it um and you know, the, the biggest thing for him is he, he's just in a whole new world. I mean, he hasn't played he hasn't played football, basically, in a year and a half. And as Frost said the other day, his arm's probably at 90%. Uh, he admitted that the ball's not coming out quite as it did in his junior film in high school. So hopefully that arm strength comes back. Um, everybody thinks it will. Uh, but just his mentality, they've got some really sharp, guys over there like there's no question like that's it's not there's no dunces in that room yeah i've never talked to andrew bunch but i mean if he's like the rest of those guys they're pretty bright he's pretty uh, pretty quiet um you know i i think for him the biggest thing is, is just fit because you, you go back to what he did in high school it was spread up tempo um you know dual threat type stuff uh, same thing in, in junior college, and he comes to Nebraska under Danny Langsdorf and Mike Riley, and all of a sudden you're in a pro style attack that's you know nothing like what you've done before. And for him, it was you know he grew up a Nebraska fan. His dad uh, played at Nebraska. It was you know kind of this is the opportunity to get you out of junior college. Come mm-hmm. do it. And you know for him, the the, the coaching change I, I think couldn't have happened at a better time because on on the one hand. You know, you, you get used to college football, you know, major college football last year. This year you find an offense that fits you pretty well, uh, and he's, you know, in the in the mix. Um, you know, does that hold up? We'll see. But, um, you know, kind of just standing next to him, he was, you know, more physically impressive than maybe kind of what I had pictured in my head uh, from last year. I know that, you know, the previous staff, you know, he hadn't really stood out that much in, in practices. So, you know, the, the fact that he's making a run, if he's making a run, whatever that run is, um, I, I think is, is not necessarily out of nowhere, but at the same time, I think it's a, a benefit of the, the, the circumstances he's in now. You asked an interesting question I've been thinking about. Is the starting quarterback on campus? And as I think through it, I start to wonder what benefit there would be actually – by bring, I, I know like for the immediate depth purposes, it's better. But think about how that hurts your quarterback room if you bring in somebody else um, for one year. You're already in a position where you're probably going to have to hurt somebody's feelings and they might skip town as it is. Imagine if you do that a, with a, a transfer. You could lose another guy. Who knows? Yep. And it's all for one year. I guess there's candidates who could be two years. But – it's all for really a brief thing when, in reality, you know that this is not a one-year fix. And so why wouldn't you want to develop the guys you have that you kind of like and have them grow through the difficulties this year? And if that means you're 6 and 7 at the end of the year in year one, so be it. But at least they have those under your belt that you're not starting all over again the second year. And 
I don't know. As I think about it, I think that could be more damaging than helpful to bring somebody in. Yeah, well, and especially if it's a person that's two years and you're talking about, I mean, you have Noah Vedral, you'd be talking the long term of Tristan Jebbia and um, Adrian Martinez. If, you know, if it's Joe Burrows and he comes here, you could be chasing off multiple quarterbacks right there. Mm hmm. Uh, because he would have those two years of experience, or not experience, but two years available. And you also don't know if the person's going to be the right fit for you any more than you know of the guys that you're going through right now. So if they were to add a quarterback, to me it almost behooves them to to find another person similar to Andrew Bunch that's looking for an opportunity that you maybe aren't going to be offering a scholarship to, but or if you are, it's a one-year deal, but it's just a depth option that you can have towards the end of your bench to get through next season not somebody that you're looking as the unquestioned starter or even a long-term answer well you go back to kind of what happened at UCF that first year they had you know a veteran quarterback coming back was pretty ineffective I think he got hurt too Um, but they you know kind of took their lumps a little bit with McKenzie Milton and you know I, I think a big part of the success that they had last season was in part because of what they had to do that first year. So I think you're right where, you know, it's, it's a bit of a bandaid. Um, I think it increases the competition, but at the same time, I mean, if you, if you do go get a guy like Burrow, I mean, you're looking at two years, plus you've got Vedral there as well coming in next season. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, like I can see the benefits to it, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you, you got to kind of be sure that it's the right guy. It's a real short-term kind of move in a time where you're not really being evaluated on the short term. You know that people around here love you right now if you're that staff, and they're going to give you a lot of leeway. And so, yeah, it, it, the more I think about it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The, the thing that maybe is most interesting to me Aside, I mean, Brunson's question was good, but also, do you see multiple guys getting starts this year at the quarterback spot? Because I think I do. I don't. I just don't envision the guy who gets the job in August is going to run the length of the season, whether health-wise, performance-wise. We don't know. I mean, Nebraska's team could be really struggling, and they need a spark, uh, or their season could be pretty bad and they want to see what they have from somebody else late so i think that it's a pretty safe bet to assume more than one guy is going to start a game this year yeah i would say that's where the smart money would go mostly just from a health perspective more than anything it feels like it's it's really unlikely nowadays that you can almost make it through especially with these young guys who you already worry a little bit you know adrian martinez has had an injury and um jebbia i mean his coach talked about it. He's got to get bigger. I mean, he's, he's grown and he has added some bulk and I know it's probably a tiresome subject to him, but if he wants to run it and I think, I think he does have better speed than people think, but when you're six three one ninety, if that's even what you are, you think that's generous, probably a little generous, 185, something one eight one eighties. I mean, that's, he looked bigger yesterday, though, from yeah. what from what he, he showed up as. You think he got like a lift in on the way up the stairs? <laughs> he was just doing push ups downstairs before he came up to me with the media. Yeah, he, he didn't do like the the arms cross kind of like push out the <laughs> biceps move that you know I think some people have probably been guilty of doing before, myself included. Some do you guy name names. Some guy does Nate. that before yeah. a big date. <laughs> yeah, 
Doing some dips. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything All else right. football-wise? Hmm. I'm just trying to move the, the clock here. We, we only yeah, have we do. Ten minutes We've got 10 minutes left. Did you guys learn anything else this week? Well, I would say... We talked to Tyjohn. That was kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah, you did. Tell, tell us about Tyjohn. Yeah, well, tell talk, us, bro. Talked talk to, talk to a little rabdo. Um, <laughs> what? You can't introduce it like that. <laughs> I don't know. Do it's better. A, this is a, why I don't host. It's a serious matter. We talked... About rhabdomyelosis. Yeah. Did you talk music videos? No, we didn't. I, I got out of there before that conversation started. But kind of an interesting stretch of conversations about uh, you know whether he ever considered leaving. Uh, kind of the, the conversations among the wide receivers in that room uh, with their relationship with Keith Williams. And they basically decided that for one another, what? Did anybody ask him about Buki? Uh, no. Somebody asked Tristan Jebby about him, though. Really? Yeah. Keeps what did in, he say? Keeps in touch with them. Surprise. I, I knew that there would at least be a segment of the population that wants an update. So Yeah. He's apparently a, a potential Thorpe winner down at Oklahoma, in case you're wondering. Um, but with, with Lindsey, um, you know, I, I think he's a guy that fits this offense a lot better and will be utilized a lot more. I know Schaefer, you're a bit dubious about that, um, or have been expressed Dubosity about that. Dubosity. Um, but I, you know, he talked a lot about how, you know, he wanted to go to Oregon. Scott Frost was a big reason why he wanted to play in that offense, wanted to be DeAnthony Thomas. I, I think he's got a better opportunity to be DeAnthony Thomas like in this offense than maybe what he was used last year when it was a small package of plays that didn't really fit his strengths, I don't think. Um, and, you know, I, I know that he's really excited, plus, you know, added basically 10 pounds of muscle, lost 10, 10 pounds of fat, kind of the, you know, thing we've heard from everybody. But, um, you know, really has bought in, I think, even in spite of the, the issues that he had with his health. Yeah, this I mean, my, well. my doubting of things had Your more dubosity. to do with, I was concerned. I mean, he had about a terrible of a start to his college career as you could have. I mean, he... Didn't play as much as he probably would have expected. When he did play, he wasn't very effective. The coach that he wanted to play for got fired. Um, the position coach that he was closest with got fired. The The situation around him wasn't tremendous. And then he had the whole Rabdo thing to start kind of his experience in the Scott Frost era. It, it had me relatively concerned about if he was going to stick this out or if he would look to maybe go elsewhere because that wouldn't be an unusual thing to see. So your conversation with him and, and really what has kind of come out of those, the the conversations that people had with him has been overwhelmingly positive. And I think that's a really good thing because it tells me that he is wanting to compete, that he sees an opportunity here. I've heard from people that watch practice that he looked really, really good when he gets to the corner. I mean, he can really turn it on. And we didn't see that last year. They got him the ball in space several times, and he didn't do much with it. And so I think that if he's a more confident, comfortable player in this offense, that could go a long way. The uh, the thing, I guess, I'll throw something else I learned this week. It's not a big surprise, but uh, Damian Daniels, I think, is emerging at, to a point at the nose 
and and Peyton Peyton Newell Peyton Newell's 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 doing one well too, where they feel like they've got that depth behind there. Where that's become really useful because now you've got DeAndre Thomas working at that end spot, and I think that could fit DeAndre a little better actually. And it sounds like I mean everybody you hear talk about Damian Daniels seems to be a big fan of like just his personality and what he wants to get done. And I know the big question with him because of his size, it's a guy that size, it's always going to be the question is like, can you get in the right shape where you can be that well conditioned that you can just go snap after snap and be more than like a 10 to 12, you know, play a game guy. I don't know if he, where he's at as far as that goes, but I think it's just a really encouraging sign that it seems like he's ready to at least be a backup now. And so you feel like you've got the nose solved a little bit, which allows you a lot of options at the end spots. And you've got Stilly and you've got DeAndre Thomas there and some kind of exciting young guys there, which all of a sudden this D-line, which we had no idea what to make of it a year ago, heads or tails from it, what they're doing. Is it the guys themselves? Is it the, the, just a the scheme? I think now there's a little bit of excitement, albeit the kind that comes in the spring when everybody's excited but there's a belief that they could be much better or they have depth and and things could look a lot and they're adding a couple guys and tate wildeman and casey rogers that i don't think will take as long to to be able to help out uh with this roster and, and with that that defense so i i think the line is in pretty good shape i i completely agree with you on Damian Daniels, and one of the good things for him with the uh, the way the practice is run, he's getting conditioning every time they're yeah. having practice. I mean, likely not going to face any offense that moves the ball as quickly as the one that he sees every day, and I think that really is going to help him out in the end. I want to get this quickly because we're running out of time here. Nebraska got a commitment this week from Thomas Grayson, running back from Tulsa. I think this is a really good pickup for him. I think he's a guy that probably is going to get re-rated after his senior year as we've seen several times from Oklahoma. He strikes me as the sort of complete running back that really this isn't a direct comparison because they're not exactly the same, but he's similar to Trey Bryant in that I feel comfortable that he can do everything on the offense that you ask him to do, whether it's you need him in space to catch the ball and make people miss, he can do that. You need to send him between the tackles. He's big enough that he's not going to – you know, try to bounce everything outside. You need him to go outside. He's fast enough that he's not going to get run down in the backfield. So I I really like this addition for their their room. Nebraska's going to take at least two running backs. I think Thomas Grayson's a really good pickup, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's somebody by the end of the class, you know, people are thinking, wow, they really jumped in at the right time. Because this was a guy they, they had a great shot to get right away. Uh, and they kind of slow played it because they, they didn't have to move that fast. Tennessee made an offer. Ryan Held reacted immediately. They got him out here for a visit. He and his dad knew within the first two hours that this is where they wanted to be. After meeting with, with Held and Frost, they were sold. And they made that decision on Monday. And I, I think Nebraska is going to be better off for it. Does it comfort you, Mike, that – you're going to cover a recruiting class where you know that there's not going to be a coaching change and it's not going to mess up everything that you've worked on for six months? Uh, not. I haven't really thought about that, to yeah. be honest. The, the, the coaching change didn't really change the way that I guess yeah. you go about covering recruiting. Um, it certainly leads to a lot of, 
questions about the status of recruits, which, you know, nobody's truly going to know. I mean, the amount of people that told me that they were locked in and would remain locked in and didn't remain locked in uh, was pretty high. So <coughs> I, I haven't really thought about it in that sense. I'm very curious the makeup of this class, what it's going to be, where it's going to come from. Um, it, you know, you already got four people committed. All four are inside the 500 mile radius. The guy, I think the most likely next commit Mo Newsom from Iowa. It's another 500 mile radius guy. Uh, Luke McCaffrey, if they get him quarterback that was in this past weekend and, uh, we can go into more detail another time, another 500 mile radius guy. So I, I really think that one of the strategies that they're going to incorporate is really attack the area close to Lincoln because they can get those guys in for multiple visits. We know that Scott Frost in Nebraska doesn't want to use early official visits if they don't have to. And so one of the ways you combat that is by getting people that it's driving distance for them to make it. And I think you're going to see a heavy emphasis on that all throughout the spring and then again into the summer. Brunts almost was going to say something there, but I was so eloquent and so on point that he just nodded. You just wrapped that up with a Nice little bow. Oh, I try. Every now and then. So, uh, anything else we need to, to add here to the podcast? I don't think so. I think we covered some ground. I think I made some enemies, probably. With that I don't really think you did. Music critique. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you made as many enemies as you think. Okay. It's always dangerous ground. Yeah. You talk you, about Springsteen. You start you venturing into Springsteen. You're looking to get shivved at a. You're talking about somebody's game. religion. Yeah. I, I do have one question for you, Brian. Do you see yeah. any point in which you're going to switch from being a predominantly CD guy <clears throat> to. When are you going to embrace the digital age, Brian? <laughs> well, I was moving actually backwards. Are you going to become an album guy? Do you have a record player? Yeah, I, I he's, he's, he's talked about this on the. Yeah, pod that's what I thought, and yeah. so now I want it's to like know. He just like sleeps through it. Jeez, I was setting it up, Bruns. I'm glad that you can chime in now. But when we're talking about <laughs> recruiting, you got nothing to add to the conversation. Oh <laughs> well, I'm just going to sit this one out. There. <laughs> yeah, you might. He's trying to. You gonna, you, to are you going to ask him too if he's going to consider playing any regular Nintendo games? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I do not. have. A, I do have a record player purchased like couple months ago where i was going with this do you plan on replacing your cds by going to the album route with them yeah a little bit because i i kind of envision this cool scenario where you're like hosting a a christmas gathering and there's a bookshelf with your many albums up there and people walk in you're getting that bruce springsteen christmas (laughs) one down i wouldn't even mind that like i want to be (laughs) like i wouldn't mind a springsteen album at all i think he's okay just not great but I would like people to walk in and be like, why? That's a mighty impressive album collection you have, you know, as they're drinking their spiced eggnog. Maybe you guys, in fact, are those people. We've never been. Yeah, you've never been to the house. (laughs) I don't invite anybody. (laughs) This is true. This is true. Purple Rain? Would you have Purple Rain in that scenario? Yeah, I definitely would. Okay. All right, anything else we want to get in here? Mm, Baseball? (laughs) <laughs> they won last night. Eleven to nine. The most positive baseball note that we've had in a while. They won. They they you get a doubleheader on Friday against the hated Iowa Hawkeyes. Something to look forward to there. That's gonna go pretty ugly, right? Uh I mean Iowa's a team that hits home runs and scores. Nebraska's a team that doesn't hit home run and doesn't score. 
I mean, everybody. And if it does, then they don't play defense. That's correct. So, I mean, it's you never know. Maybe maybe that Jesse Wilkening home run was the spark that they needed. <laughs> I hope your next Darren Erstad media availability, you ask if that was the turning point because I already know the facial reaction and the answer that you're going to get to it. Yeah, you never go big picture. Yeah. Never go big picture. Does not enjoy that phrase. All right, well, um, we will come to you next week with a preview, I guess, for the spring game that we have been building up towards. We might know the format next week as we do not know it yet. Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, that's something that I'm sure everybody's sitting around, pins and needles. Did, did, he, put, did he put the kibosh on a possible fantasy draft for the Because no. they, they did that in the past at UCF. No. Should we have a fantasy draft? We could. Yeah. I mean, I think that should be our show next week as we really? draft teams for the spring game. We, we could have a draft off air and then just talk about it, how we thought it went on the podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm a 100% down with this. If we want to throw a little money on it, too, I'm down with that as well. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's kosher, though. <laughs> what, gambling on the spring game? I feel like well, I've done that before, but... You have? Yeah. <laughs> I bet Gary Sharp the year that Jack Hoffman scored his touchdown and it cost me the spread. <laughs> oh. With the Hoffman touchdown was what it cost, cost you the spread. Yes, that's my tie to that story. Wow. <laughs> so, so him. while everybody's just like sobbing and weeping, there was still time on the clock. But you're, you know, you were in the press box, just like going crazy. I tackle him. <laughs> tackle I was him. keeping an eye on the clock, and I, I thought that they would respond with their own emotional touchdown, but they did not. You can only go to that well once. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just it's not imagining you. You just, didn't know this? No, I didn't. It's not yeah, Sharp and I bet that the Friday before, and then that happened. <laughs> it's not appropriate, but I totally like picture you standing up, like tackle him, <laughs> tackle him. <laughs> oh, What's going on out there? Yeah. No, I was I was behaved. I was behaved during that moment. <laughs> How much did you lose on that? Uh, it was a lunch bet, so I didn't lose that much. That's good. All right, good game, good effort here. All right, well, we'll come to you next week with uh, plenty of spring football preview stuff and possibly fantasy teams, and maybe I'll make a new bet between now and then. BC will probably not wear that sweater or vest. I don't know. Wouldn't hate it if you did. (laughs) Brunt is in. Wouldn't hate it if you did. some positive feedback on Twitter, it looks like. Yeah. (laughs) Not all positive, but... (laughs) A lot of gifs of guys and Christmas sweaters being tweeted at me, but so it goes. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll catch you next week with the Nebraska 24-7 podcast.